Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Strong AF X Well Conditioned Show with your host, Jason Brown, where each week Jason teaches you how to get yourself and your clients brutally strong and, of course, well conditioned. What's up, everyone? Jason here for another episode of Strong AF X Well Conditioned. Today, we are talking about the conjugate method and more in depth, we're going into conjugate X conditioning, which is my version of using the conjugate system to improve general fitness for the people I work with. Now, this system came to me by way of a strength coach I had in college. I learned all my really formal training on the conjugate method came there. And then of course, I've been to Westside, I've gone through special strengths examination. I've, uh, you know, talked to various people at Westside, been there a couple times. And obviously I've read every one of Louis's books. Uh, for the record, my favorite book from Louis Simmons is Special Strength Development for All Sports. You're probably wondering, well, he's got so many books, which ones are the ones I should read? That one is my favorite because it's the most well-rounded. It goes into training for the Olympic lifts. It goes into training for MMA. It goes into, you know, a, a far above and beyond just powerlifting. And I think that was the book for me that I read back in 2015 that kind of opened my eyes up to using more conjugate style for CrossFit, using more GPP measures, relying more on our GPP work and sled work for conditioning versus just kind of putting people through the meat grinder, so to speak, with high skill Olympic lifts and chest bar pull-ups and all that stuff that, that you see in a traditional CrossFit setting. So that is the book I would recommend. If you are thinking about learning more and you, maybe you want to become a special strengths coach, you have to read all of the books. I mean, that exam is very extensive and it has a, a very high failure rate for a reason because a lot of the texts that you have to delve into, like super training, are very dense and they're not the types of book you wanna read cover to cover. You wanna go through those books and selectively pick out topics you wanna learn about. And you know, you're gonna see one form or another of super training in that exam, a lot of different questions. Science and Practice of Strength Training is another great book that I would highly recommend. And you know, we could certainly do a podcast about what are my favorite recommended resources to level up your education. But for now, I wanna talk about the conjugate system and those are some resources I would recommend checking out. Additionally, I have an article on my site, two articles actually, one called Everything You Need to Know About Conjugate, and then I have another one called The Best Conjugate Training Plan. Now, the first one is more of a overview of the entire system, how to program it, what it could look like, what a, a week of training could look like, and then from there, you could take that week and extrapolate another three to four weeks from there. The Best Conjugate Program article talks about using more energy systems development in conjunction with a standard conjugate split. Now in this episode, I wanna talk about CXC, so my form of this, and I also wanna talk about how it's evolved. So present day, I work with mostly guys like myself. I do have a few uh, females that I do work with, but most of the guys I work with are just like me. They are dads, they have uh, you know maybe a background in CrossFit. Actually, I think just about every guy I work with came from CrossFit. At one point or another was doing CrossFit out of box. So their goals are very modest. Now, it's not to say that we don't train seriously. We certainly do. And I still use the conjugate system. But as far as going down the maximal strength rabbit hole, it's just not super high priority. I still have guys that deadlift over 600 pounds. I still have guys that squat in the fives. You know, myself, I can still bench press, you know, over 315 pounds and I can still squat over 400 pounds. My deadlift, I'm not sure where it's at, but I would, I would probably guess it's in the high five range. And that's kind of always where I sit with those lifts. Now, if those go down in the next three to five years, I'm not super concerned about it. I'm not going to change my approach because 
maybe my bench press goes from, from 325 to 300. Do I foresee that happening at some point? Yes, but I don't think it's going to happen for a bit. I'm only 39. I don't think I'm going to see a massive loss in strength anytime soon. But my point is, is that if I'm working with guys that are not particularly concerned with maximal strength and they're more concerned with how they look and feel, then it would kind of lead me to think, well, do I need something like the max effort method? Um, and this is a question that I've had for years, and it's come to the point where I've encouraged setbacks by performing maximal effort training, particularly with uh, my lower back and performing maximal effort deadlift variations. So this is why I have kind of leaned more towards using things like the trap bar and not pulling maximal effort deadlifts anymore. They take away from my ability to train for the remainder of the week. They also put me in a position where I flare up an old SI joint issue I've had forever. So, so to in order to work on some of these limitations and to get better and to not, you know, basically have the same reoccurring issue, I've removed that movement from my programming. I do not pull conventionally as far as any maximal loading is concerned. So if I pull conventional, it's likely going to be an RDL, it's going to be a rack variation, and it's not going to be for a 1RM. And I'm likely going to use a high level of accommodating base resistance only because I want less weight on the bar and I want less weight through full range of motion, if that makes sense. So again, these are things that I've selectively picked up. I'm a big believer in that if it if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. And that's one movement that just doesn't feel right for me anymore. Another movement that doesn't feel great for me anymore is a back squat. I bias the front squat. I bias the box squat. I bias the safety bar squat because it doesn't flare up any issues I have. So again, logical question to ask. If something doesn't feel right or something keeps causing an issue for you, you have to sit back and ask yourself, why are you performing that movement? Is it for ego? Is, it, is there a specific reason? I don't believe that there is any specific movement that anyone needs. So if I have someone that keeps getting flared up by performing an overhead press and I keep overhead pressing them because maybe they're a CrossFit athlete, you know, again, there are there other ways to train that pattern or to train that musculature and not have it flare up that issue? Or are there other things that we can do to figure out where that issue is coming from and what do we need to do strategically to get better? So long story short, Conjugate method for me now looks like using the sub-maximal effort method, which is our multiple rep maximum. So anywhere from a three to six RM. And you know what? Another thing that fits great into this is cluster work, which I'm a big fan of. So we use sub-maximal effort with cluster work and we, it might be percentage based or it could just simply be building a weight. But the max effort method comes selectively. Now, how do I do max effort in the safest possible way? Well, one reason why max effort can be an issue for people. Let's just say, actually, I'll give you a quick story. I haven't trained my back squat pattern. As I mentioned, it's one of the movements that just doesn't lend itself to what I'm trying to do anymore. And it tends to flare me up and have negative consequences. So I don't train it very often. However, what was it? Two months ago, I decided, oh, what the hell? I'm going to hit a heavy single on my back squat. Not necessarily the one around. But I just want to hit a heavy single and see how it feels. So I hit a heavy single on the back squat. I hit four or five pretty easily. It wasn't, you know, definitely wasn't a one around, but it was definitely, it was above 90%, I'd say. And needless to say, I flared up that SI joint issue I've had. And then that entire week, actually for the next two weeks, I was pretty locked up. I had to see my chiropractor. And, you know, I had to basically go back to the drawing board and start assessing what, what is the issue? What is causing this? And again, that's another story for another day. But uh, my point being that I hadn't trained a back squat in, I couldn't remember the last time I trained a back squat. So it's a, it's a really novel movement for me. It's almost like I did a 405% increase on my back squat. You know, so would you ever start a client off 
training a pattern they've never trained and then hit it maximally. Now, I've obviously trained that pattern before, but it's been a while. So essentially, I did a 405% increase in my back squat and I had an issue with it. No mystery there. I mean, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that it's a novel pattern for me, albeit I've done it many times before. I haven't done it in a while. So asking myself to do a heavy single or a 1RM without having done that pattern in quite some time, probably not the smartest thing. So a strategy I use with using heavier lifting is building over the course of three to four weeks. So if we're, where our goal is to build to a trap bar deadlift, to a 1RM or heavy single, we'll start week three might be a heavy five, week two might be a heavy triple, and then week three might be a heavy single. So we've built some competency with that pattern again. We've gotten comfortable with it. And we're putting putting people in a position where it's not novel anymore. So they're they're gonna have a less less chance of any issue. Trainability definitely gonna be higher. And you know, you don't necessarily have to attach the word one rep max to it. It could be just a heavy single, go by feel. I think a lot of guys do well with just telling them to go to a heavy single. Psychologically, it's easier for them to build and know that if they're not feeling it, you know, it's not a test. It's it's a it's a day of training like anything else. And if they feel good, they can go for it. If they don't, they can just do a heavy single or even, you know, a moderate single if needed. So that's one strategy that we use with this. Now, in addition to using things like dynamic effort training, that is something that I still use pretty similar that to the way that I've always used it. And, you know, as far as volume is concerned, Prolipin's chart, I find to be a pretty accurate guide. However, I have seen with myself and a lot of the guys I work with that you know, we actually can downregulate some of that volume even more. So a, a standard for 50% of 1RM with 25% accommodating resistance is doing something like eight triples, 24 total reps. I found that we can even use significantly less than that, five triples, six, uh, five to six triples, and we get the same bang for the buck. So these are things in programming that we don't know until we try. So there's a lot of experimentation that has to happen uh, as far as figuring this stuff out over the years. But that's one thing. I found to be prudent is just you don't have to adhere to any rigidity as term in terms of volume. Sometimes less is more. And it's not always, you know, what some physiologist found or some science sports scientists found to be optimal for highly advanced lifters. That's what Prolipin's chart is. So again, that's one thing that we utilize. Now, as far as this the overall structure, you can check it out in any one of those articles. The main difference in why I feel my method is different is that I utilize mixed modality conditioning. I utilize things like the cardiac output method for the aerobic system or some type of tempo interval. So we have a little bit different means of developing our conditioning. Things that are still standard though, are things like strongman endurance, loaded carries. Um, we still do that stuff. And you know, it, it really depends on the season of the year, what we're training. But right now we are focused more on mixed modality and using cardiac output method as far as the aerobic methods are concerned in conjunction with a lot of hypertrophy work. Now, again, I mentioned volume is not one size fits all. I find the standard ranges for hypertrophy are what work pretty well for my guys, three to four sets of anywhere from eight to 15 reps. Again, nothing groundbreaking there, but what I do see to be the case more times than not is that less is always more. I've actually never had a client that didn't do better with less believe it or not. I've had guys come to me that said, this is significantly less volume than what I've been doing. And lo and behold, they get significantly better results because they were likely overtraining prior to coming to me. So I've never not found that to be the case. And, and lo and behold, you know, standard, again, three to four sets of eight to 15 reps tends to be the sweet spot for assistance exercises, our accessory work. 
um, doing things like direct triceps, biceps work. All that stuff that, again, you can read about in any one of those articles in standard ranges works pretty well. Now, how we bridge the gap between our training sessions, where things, things are placed within a week of training is also a make or break. Having our lower intensive session be on Monday and Friday works incredibly well. I've even experimented, and this is no, not recently, but in the last few years, I've experimented with making that schedule a little bit shorter. So having all of our strength work take place between Monday and Friday. So essentially what that would look like is a lower intensive day, an upper intensive day, conditioning, and then a lower and upper and then conditioning. I found that even spreading things out one additional day. So our, our lower sessions are Monday and Friday. Our upper sessions are Wednesday and Saturday. Our conditioning is Tuesday and Thursday. Works a lot better for most people to facilitate recovery might you might you know on paper it might not look like a, a big difference but i've seen that the difference is big enough to keep the schedule of things spread out a little bit more throughout the week i've also found that it to be a little bit more engaging in terms of having some conditioning that is built in between our main strength sessions just to keep change of pace and, and not get uh, too monotonous so those are some things to consider with that i know some people's schedule works better if they can get that work in done between monday and friday but most of the people I work with, and even I've done some polls recently, most of the people that are following me or, or have used my programs make time to train on the weekend, regardless of what you know constraints they have outside of the gym. So it's an, it's a, an overwhelming amount of people are making time to train on Saturday or Sunday. So that to me is telling because I want to make sure that the programming is aligned with the schedule of the, the people I'm working with. Now in a group setting, you don't have the ability to really customize to that individual, but with, you know, everyday hero, we're really qualifying people. We, we're getting the right people that are the right fit for this service. So it's not for everyone, but you know, from the process of onboarding people and making sure we're getting the right people, things have been great, knock on wood. So uh, just to kind of bring all of this together, a typical week of programming with CXE would look like a lower intensive session on Monday. Primary method is going to likely be submaximal effort method, which is a multiple rep max or cluster sets. And again, max effort method is sprinkled in there, but I, I have people build to it over the course of three weeks, where again, we do a heavy five, a heavy three, a heavy one. Additionally, repeated effort method, obviously mainstay as far as our hypertrophy work goes. And then throwing in finishers from time to time for metabolic stress or maybe even some anaerobic work can fit in our strength days. So our Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday session. Our primary conditioning method is mixed modality conditioning, which can be executed a number of ways, but likely you're going to see some type of global pattern, some type of cyclical pattern, and then maybe some type of body weight or even like a, a no push-up burpee or something to that effect. Our main mode of recovery is through the cardiac output method or a progression to that like tempo intervals. So we've got some options there. Peppered in throughout the week and usually on the at the end of the conditioning days, I do use some type of high volume band work. And this is more just from soft tissue improvement, improving tendon strength and elasticity. That's something I do plug in there pretty regularly. And then of course, all of our assistance exercises, our accessory exercises are plugged into each of those sessions. Most of my sessions have five exercises. I very rarely go over six exercises. So anywhere from five to six, our lower days are never going to have six. Um, I find them to be very intensive. They're demanding. People need extra rest between sets, especially for bigger patterns like an RDL. So I don't tend to have more than five exercises on a lower day, but an upper day, you know, we can do a little bit more supersetting and six exercises tends to work pretty well. Additionally, when we do use some type of finisher, 
it really is dependent on the session of the day. If we had a very intense lower body session on a Monday, let's say, let's say we did a, a heavy trap bar deadlift, a glute ham raise, a single leg variation, and then maybe some type of anti-extension abdominal exercise, which is only four movements, then that type of session will not have any room for any type of anaerobic work. There are going to be already too much uh, fatigue that's already set in and residual fatigue throughout that session doesn't make sense to ask someone to, to go even further and potentially get injured. Um, so the session really has to align with a finisher for that to happen. So again, it's not something I plug in all the time, but it's something I do use from time to time. But overall, what we have is a week of training that is, you know, I would say, I hate using the word constantly varied, but there's a lot of variability to the week of training in terms of what we're doing. I use the same variations for three to four weeks at a time. So we're gonna do a three-week wave of our box squat, or we're gonna do a three-week wave of submax, submax, and then max. Like again, like I mentioned with the trap bar delif, we could go a heavy five, heavy three, heavy one, and heavy one would take place on week three. And then our assistance or accessory exercises, we're gonna see the same variations across three weeks. And you'll see likely see some adjustment to volume intensity in terms of how it's programmed week to week. There will be some nuances there to that. For conditioning, same thing. I usually change the RPE week to week. I usually have people build in intensity for a particular conditioning piece. From week one to week three, you usually see an increase of intensity where week one, they're getting kind of familiar with it. They're getting the movement patterns. Week two, they're able to kind of level up that intensity slightly. And then week three is when I ask them to really push it uh, to the, you know, the, their ability to push it with our, whatever it is, if it's a, uh, you know, a five round workout with three movements and you've got three minutes rest, I'd ask them to get into the upper echelon of their level of intensity on that third week of training. So anyways, guys, hope all that makes sense. A lot of information in a short period of time. That's what I'm trying to do with these podcasts is make them short and concise. Overall, CXE is a mixed modality style of training. We're using conjugate. A lot of the same tenets of conjugate are still there, but one of the main differences is max effort training is something that we use a lot more strategically and it's not weekly. If I was working with a powerlifter, that'd be a different story, but that's not who I work with at this point in time. So we use it more strategically and, and not as often as a traditional conjugate split would. The other major difference is the use of aerobic methods to improve aerobic function, thereby improve recovery. And again, that kind of carries downstream and we see other improvements to other areas like our maximal strength work. And this all fits into a six day split. Sunday is an active recovery day, but all of this training is gonna take place Monday through Saturday. And the recovery is built in during the week. So people are not burnt out. They're not feeling you know, demotivated to train. They're, they're very much engaged, ready to train, ready for that next training session. So I find it to be a very effective system of training for everyone I work with. And most people I do work with are more type A. They're more you know, coming from kind of uh, that background where they like variability, but they also like the consistency of being able to make improvements from a week to week basis, because we do not vary things too much where it's like, oh, we do a rollback tricep extension, and then we don't do it again for 12 weeks because we've got a million other triceps exercises we could potentially use. No, they're seeing that exercise across three weeks so they can build motor patterns, but also uh, build capacity with that particular movement. This was another episode of Strong AF X Well Conditioned Show. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes and be sure to subscribe on all podcast platforms. 